welcome to the America Football Show, powered by EP Sports. EP Sports is the top supplier in the UK for all your America football needs, helping players and coaches reach their potential since 2007. Check them out at epsports.co.uk. So, Championship Weekend is in the bag. The Super Bowl has been decided. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get to play at technically home, but actually a neutral field against a surprise, surprise, the reigning Super Bowl champs. Uh, somehow, this could be uh, an NFL storyline, maybe if they wrote it, but hey-ho, conspiracy theories, put your tinfoil hats on. Uh, how do we think of it? Did we all enjoy Championship Weekend? No, it's the worst nightmare for Raiders fans. Chiefs against Tom Brady. And how am I supposed to pick who I want to win in that game? I want, uh, I don't know who wrote this, but I'm stealing it anyway. I want it to be like Dark Knight Rises at the beginning where they start playing the National Anthem and the whole stadium collapses into the ground. Uh, it's a bit fatalistic, but I want that to happen. So there you go. That's my Super Bowl prediction. And yeah, I think you see my reactions the next day when I, <laughs> I'm going to quote myself here. It's the, the over, it's the irritating versus the overrated. Um, so it's, the, you know, it, obviously the Chiefs are irritating because... They're doing well, uh, you know. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit bitter about seeing them do so well. It's frustrating to see, um, but you know, fair play to them. They're a good side. You know what I mean? Um, it is, a, you know, it is a little bit irritating when a team has too much success, doesn't it, Joe? But like, um, yeah. And then you've got Tom Brady, who's just like once again he has a has a pretty awful game and comes out with everyone singing his praises and his fast smell like roses. So I don't know. I would have preferred to see it the other way. Um, I would have preferred to see Bill Packers, but I guess both teams just couldn't get it done on the night and the better teams won. Yeah, I think that's how it is. I mean, the two games were, for me, complete opposites. Like, the Packers-Bucks one was intense. And I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't see myself supporting the Bucks as much as I actually ended up doing. Like, my heart was going. It was intense. I don't know why. I just want a quarterback plays 20 years for you. You develop some sort of feelings towards him. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it, I think. I, I think, yeah, the better two teams did win. I thought the Chiefs were pretty just outstanding. I thought the Bills were a bit disappointing with with the way they approached the game. And the Packers and the Bucks, I don't think by either quarterbacks really turned up. We were expecting it to be a complete shootout, but both both quarterbacks managed to get stopped fairly regularly and it was just a completely different game. Could have been a classic, was built up to be one after about the first half and then the third quarter, but then it sort of just came to a bit of a bit of a dull end but yeah, yeah. it's, it's a defense played really well didn't it yeah it's a, apart from old king uh they all turned they actually played pretty well but yeah it was good and it's the goat versus the kid as they call it yeah it's annoying because obviously last year I, I sung the praises of the books and now i'm like we've got matt who's a friend of the show he, he's so happy he's made the super bowl but i'm like i really like your team i just don't like your quarterback <laughs> so uh yeah it's Look at it how you want, but it's going to be a good game. I think you're right there. The Packers Bucks game seemed a lot more interesting, but it might have just been the fatigue factor that we'd all sat through that and then had the Bills Chiefs come on. But yeah, that I mean, we, can we talk about the decision that Matt Lafleur had to go for that that field goal? I don't get it. I, I don't know if what your reaction was, but I literally saw him taking it. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't understand why. It was that Am moment I... when I have to double check the clock, and I was like. Am I right? I thought it was like three more, whatever it was, three, two minutes, whatever it was. I was like, have I missed the one at the start of that time? Why is he going for a field goal? He's, that's just uh, unbelievable. My only thinking was that 
because the offense had been a little bit stale at that point in the game, that he had a bit more faith in his defense then. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, I, I think he made the wrong call. I don't, I don't fully understand the decision. I've tried to wrap my head around it. You know, we, you know, Helen Martin, my partner's a Packers fan, so we sort of, you could, I can imagine how frustrating it was for to watch him. We've talked about it a lot since then. Um, that and Rogers not running. I was screaming yeah. at the TV. Why isn't he? Why isn't he just running? Why isn't he just running in? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be one of them big questions for for, for like years to come. Now is what Biden Rogers run? It's fine decisions, isn't it? It's just like I don't with the Fleur as well. Like your team needs to win. What you? Why are you trusting your defense? That to be honest has been below par for a lot of the season against the MVP of the NFL. Like you pick the MVP to win it for you every time. Yeah. Do you want your MVP quarterback in the best red zone offense that year? eight yards away from the end zone or do you want your defence to try and stop Tom Brady going 10 yards? <laughs> it's a cliche, but there's no next week. It's either you do that or you lose. Yeah. You know, what, what, are you, what are you holding out? I mean, I, I get the run part because it, it's going to be a split-second decision. I, I, knowing the Bucks, De- Devin White's very fast, so he reasonably they could have stopped Aaron on that run. The real bad thing was the Packers got six points off three turnovers. Like, they, they the Packers didn't like yeah. you said the game wasn't perfect on both offenses. You've got to capitalize on that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's a couple of things in the Bills Chiefs games. It's a it's a bit unfortunate that obviously the Bills on their Cinderella story get stumped just by the best team in the game right now. It's like you said, Craig. It's like you're kind of happy that the Chiefs have found success, but you just wish they weren't as successful early on with Mahomes. <laughs> You know you've got 15 years of good stuff. Just pace it. Yeah, I stayed up to watch that game, and it was it, it was a bit of a struggle. It seemed to just like like they came out and they were feisty at the beginning, but then once the game started to fall away from them a little bit, it just kind of snowballed and just got worse. Um, it was a very sort of they kept calling it chippy at the time. It was a chippy game. Um, there was a lot of a lot of fisty cuts, a lot of back and forth fighting, stupid penalties and stuff. Um, which is nice to see. I enjoy a game where it looks like both teams are a game for it, um, like really up for it. But it just seemed to just, I don't know, seemed to to, to to fall away from them and you just couldn't seem to, to stop it from snowballing in the end. Okay, so uh, obviously with us having another week, we aren't going to be reviewing the Super Bowl. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of new information coming out. So more of just a chatty episode this time. There's a lot of news floating around the league right now. So... Hopefully we can cover as much as we can. Um, we have got questions coming up as well. As always, feel free to message us any questions you've got. And we're always happy to talk about them on the show. Uh, but let's dive straight into it. Uh, there was one head coaching position left before we recorded this, and that was obviously the Texans. And now they have hired the uh, Ravens passing game coordinator. I think it's is it David Cully. That's the one. Yeah, a five-year contract to the Texans. Uh, first of all, Craig, what what do you think about this? Um, well, we spoke about this a little bit earlier. He has kind of come out of left field a little bit. Like no one really seen it coming, especially with some of the big names out there. And it wasn't a name that was being floating around. Um, Tim, you were saying before you picked on the same thing going that I picked up on earlier on that he's sort of been a bit more of a, a positional coach and a um, more of like a sort of assistant coordinator type or a coordinator type. He's not really sort of filled the head coach head coach role yet um, so I guess it's it'll be interesting to see whether he can 
can do a job like that. So, I know, Joe, you were saying it's a five-year contract for him. Yeah, five years is hefty. Especially for a first-time head coach. I think, as, as Craig was saying, I think he came out of left field. I think he came out from the back of the stands, wandered onto the field, and then came through left field. Because <laughs> all the lists I was looking back on, the, the names of people that were considered for coaching jobs, I didn't see his name on one of the lists. You know, That's not to say he's going to be a bad coach. He's been a, a coach in the NFL for a long, long time. But... You know, you've got people like Eric the Enemy, Josh McDaniels, especially Eric the Enemy, who again won't get a head coaching job. So it, it's a strange one. Um, good luck to him. Um, I think he's going to inherit a mess, but you know. Well, speaking of the Eagles, he did coach under Andy Reid for quite a long time. So he come from that sort of say. So you would hope that after being with the Eagles for about what was more than ten years, I think. Um, would at least some of that will have rubbed off on him a little bit. I think he was also the the wide receiver coach behind the Chiefs zero touchdown for wide receivers season. So maybe not the best thing. I mean, well, yeah, he's the passing game coordinator for us, and we don't pass a lot. And you know, we get we get we're under a lot of Ravens are under a lot of criticism for their pass game. Um, so this so, is not looking good, is it? Yeah, it, it when, when, a, when a name popped up, I was like, okay, like it's it's not someone who's like sort of really stood out and has this big sort of has had this big phenomenal season this season or last season. Like it's it's sort of it's more like the sort of to the wayside side of our offense, not particularly the strength. Um, yeah, it's curious. One, I'm curious how it turned out. I see the fuss about Eric Bieniemy, and it's like I, I get that there's a lot a lot of discriminatory views you can take in it, but. For a logical view, the past three years he's gone to the championship game, if not further. Nearly all teams are going to be hiring on a time limit because they want to get stuff sorted out, get all the ball rolling for the offseason. He's just he's a bit, a bit of a victim of his own success, really, because he's not having this chance for these big, long opportunities that every, every other coach is doing. And then they just get picked up. And by that time, it's too late. I, I don't know the answer to this. I'm just putting it out there. Does he actually call the offensive plays? Or does Andy Reid call the plays? Andy Reid does. Right. See, I think for the likes of him, I think it's a, it's probably the, in his best interest to not go to the Texans. The Texans are such a sort of dumpster fire at the minute that anyone who goes in is going to wind up. You, you're going to struggle. You know, they're in such a bad position that you're going to struggle to sort of get the ball rolling because you're going to be dealing with all of the mess that's been left from the previous regime, yeah. and more than likely you end up being the fall guy. Yeah. It's 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 a job that's going to be a thankless job, and you're going to take a lot of criticism. You're probably going to be under a lot of scrutiny. Nothing you do is ever going to be right, I guess, because of the situation that they're in. It's a, it's a tough job. Um, so I guess for someone like that, to, if he would have gone into a position like that, it wouldn't have wouldn't have been particularly sort of appealing to him. I don't think. Yeah, so he's walking into a situation where he's probably going to lose a starting quarterback. Uh, Watt's going to walk away probably as well. So that's two of the best players that are going. And the back room, as Craig said, is quite frankly in a mess at the moment. It's it's a bit of a shambles of a franchise at the minute. Good thing they've got draft capital. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we'll move on to that, on to our next segment and slash question. Um, so Jacob Andrew Lewis on Instagram has asked us, where do you think Deshaun Watson should go? And that is relating to the news that Deshaun Watson has now officially requested a trade from the Texans. So let's dive into this rabbit hole because there is so many rumours flying about. Joe, who do you think Deshaun Watson should go to 
and who do you think he will go to? So I think he should go to a team that is built up to win already. And when you look at the sort of the teams who are potentially looking for quarterbacks, teams that are looking for quarterbacks, for me, two stand out. Uh, you've got the Colts as one. They stand out for me. And another one is the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if they want to cut on Jimmy G. Another team as well is the LA Rams because there's a lot of talk about golf at the moment. So for me, those are the three teams I think that Sean Watson should go to. You know, there was a project that he was built alongside with, well, built around him at the Texans. And of course, that sort of went a bit tits up, thanks to Bill O'Brien. But you know he's 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 done that building. He's he's nearly tasted those sort of championship games. He's gone fairly far into the playoffs. He's going to want to take that next step, and I think he's going to go to a team. I like the Colts because they've got a great offensive line. They've got a good running game already. So if there's Deshaun Watson's a class quarterback, as we know, he's a top five quarterback. He doesn't have to rely on the running game, but it'll be nice to know that it's there. I think the 49ers, their well be, you know, their defense is good, like the Colts and the Rams are the same, you know, their defense is also good. So he's got trust on the other side of the ball. If you bring him in, then you can just build the offense around. I think the Colts need a few weapons. The Rams, I think, probably need a wide receiver or two. And then the 49ers are the 49ers, you know, they got good young wide receivers. Their running game is is decent. They're just an all well-rounded team. So for me, I would think those are the teams will go to I think it's going to be the team with the most that can draw the most from the Texans I, I think it's going to be a, a Jets or a Dolphins thing potentially I'm surprised that you didn't mention your own team there um, obviously I, I know you'd be delighted to see Deshaun Watson on the Patriots but I mean are, are the Patriots in a chance to take a free agent or do you think they'll be going through the draft well we spaced up a load of draft capital sorry a load of uh, cap space which is good However, I think quarterbacks is obviously the most important position, most important position in sports. But is Deshaun Watson going to want to go to the Patriots when he's throwing to nobody's? Like, no offense, like our highest drafted players in Kill Harry, and he's been a complete flop, and he's more than likely on his way out. Like Jacoby Myers, if Edelman is still injured, Jacoby Myers, your effective best receiver that you've got in the team, an undrafted, an undrafted player. It's, I just don't think it's the right step for the Patriots to make a big free agent move. Yeah. I think we go in the draft, potentially pick someone up, use our cap space for the wide receivers and other targets. And then, you know, if there's someone we got a bit more cap space and there's other free agents around that are cheaper, potentially have a look at them. As a topic I want to discuss with you at some point, but we should stick to the question, Tim, who do you think he's going to go to and who do you think he should go to? Well, I was just writing a list now about the teams that could potentially be looking at a new quarterback and would be interested in him if the price is right. So you've got the Washington football team, the Colts, the Pats, the Broncos, the Bears, the Jets, the Jags, the 49ers, the Rams, the Lions, the Dolphins, or who I could see taking a swipe in. The only one, yeah, the Jags probably not because they've got the number one pick. So I think they're pretty nailed on with Trevor Lawrence, but he would be an upgrade on every single one of the quarterbacks on that team. Uh, and probably a lot of other teams beside that. Where he's going to go, the Jets have got the capital. Um, they could package together. They've got two first-round picks, and they've got Sam Darnold. Um, the logical thing would be 
to build on Sam Darnold. You know, he's not a bad quarterback. He's had a bad couple of seasons, but he's had bad coaching and he's had bad uh, weapons. So do they keep Darnold and use those two draft picks to help the team or do they go for a splash and get Watson? I don't know. I can see someone... The Colts have got someone else in mind. I've nailed on someone else to them. The Bears possibly... There's just too many options. That's a terrible answer, but I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Craig? Um, I agree with Tim. I think the Jets makes a lot of sense. They've got a lot of capital and sins in terms of draft cap and um, in terms of cap space and draft capital. Um, I think the Rams is an interesting one. I think maybe you could package some sort of deal where they trade Goff to the Texans and they pick up Watson and then there's an exchange of maybe some picks in between. Um, but in all honesty, I don't think he does go. Um, I think the issue for Watson is he's literally just signed a pretty huge deal and it's going to leave the Texans with quite a lot. I think it was like 21, 22 million in cap, dead cap space if they do trade them. Um, I I don't think they do trade them. I think they try to keep them and try to mend that relationship with them. Whether that happens or not, who knows? Um, but as much as he wants out of there at the moment, I don't think Houston are in a position where he can really afford to trade him. I, like I think it's a, if you're a quarterback fan, it's, a, it's going to be a great offseason because there's about 16 quarterbacks who started games last year that could potentially move or rumour to move. There's five quarterbacks in the draft that can potentially start next year as well. So we're going to see a lot of change in the quarterback position. And you know what? When there's supply demand's going to go down so there's a very good chance that some of these quarterbacks don't find a team or they uh, become a backup or they kind of float around and hope someone gets injured in the season um I'm, I, I very much agree that the Jets is the logical answer just because all that draft capital but the early rumors of the Dolphins because I, I think what what you touched upon there was that they can't just sell that sell the house for a good quarterback because then what they're going to put around him. They need to be able to have a quarterback and then build around him because they need to need to get more capital uh, to have any chance because I think they've got three or four uh, drafts right now. Um, or picks, sorry. So I think the Dolphins are the way because two, you, you do the straight, straight swap two or four, Deshaun, that gives the Texans a quarterback that has a good ceiling. They can take a punt on. Uh, and then they're also going to be getting a few picks out of the Dolphins because the Dolphins have got incredible draft capital right now and I can afford to splash out a bit. So it gives the Texans a, a bit of a, a way to build around to uh, some more. And it also gives the Dolphins a quarterback that they can trust a bit more than having to hope to as the answer. What do you think the price I... would be for him? What do you think people uh, the, the Texans would, would be asking for? I think at least two, two first-round picks, at least. Um, and then maybe even some sort of like backup QB or something along those lines traded with them because um, obviously he's, he is one of the best in the league um, I don't know if I see him going to Miami I see him Fitz signing back to Miami and them just sort of sticking with Tua I think it put they've invested a lot in him um, I don't know if I necessarily see them getting rid at the moment they seem to quite like him down there so Do if we're all betting then where is Watson going to end up? I think it's the Jets. I think he stays. Uh, Jets as well. Tim? Can you not create uh, Jets? 
Can you not see, Craig, the Jags drafting Trevor Lawrence but signing Ryan Fitzpatrick? That would be quite that would be fun. What a three imagine those three quarterbacks. What magnificent hit. You've got Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Gardner Minshew all in the same quarterback. Yeah, you would have no facial hair, mustache, and beard. Yeah, you've got the hair, the mustache, and the beard. Yep. <laughs> that, um, yeah. That, that would be fun. That, that yeah. would be fun. That was a good question, though. But you were talking, yeah. you were talking, you were asking about Joe's Patriots before. Obviously, it doesn't look like they're going to keep Cam. Um, well, I suppose it's a double ended question on my side. Where do you think Cam goes? if anywhere, and who do you think the Pats pick up? Because I've got an idea in my head where I think they're going to go, and um, I'm just curious what you guys think. I don't know where Cam's going to go, but I've brought it up with Joe that I think that Patriots are going to draft Mac Jones out of Alabama because he's ve- very much a Brady type. He comes from the Sa- Nick Savan tree, and obviously Belichick and Savannah are the two of the best in their respective uh, leagues. He's a kind of a, he's not flashy, he's not amazing, but he doesn't make mistakes. And obviously that's what Brady's best at, or was best at. Um, so I think, I think that's the, that's my answer. Mac Jones and Cam Newton yeah. doesn't, doesn't start somewhere. He's going to have to be a backup somewhere. Yeah, he can't start. Cam Newton can't start anywhere. Like he's, he's proven this year that, he's, that his arms pretty much gone. His accuracy is, it was never amazing, but it's completely gone out the window. Could, was there any bad blood between him and Riverboat Ron? See, that's what I was. That, that's what I was going to say. Oh. I think he goes. To, I think he goes mm-hmm. to Washington. Back to back to Ron. I think he yeah. starts. Do you think he's got enough left in the tank? God, Ron Rivera is legitimately just rebuilding the Panthers in Washington and doing a good job of it too. Yeah, yeah. But I like the Mac Jones idea. I've looking at all these drafts and everything, and Pat's fans are all very edging towards him but you know use the draft to get him and use the capital to get weapons and then see how it goes from there but I need to watch a bit of tape I guarantee My I'll watch word of caution with Mac Jones would be do the Patriots have Jerry Judy Henry Ruggs Devontae Smith and all the talent that he had on that team I'm yeah. not saying I've, I've not I've never yeah. seen Mac Jones play but that's that's a bit of a bit of a warning like to me with all the talent he's had around him that's I'd like to see this. I'd like to see the statistics, the yards after catch. So he may have all these touchdowns and all these yards, but is he just throwing short little wide receivers? Yeah, you can say the passes? same arguing that Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. That's true. Johnny Manziel had Mike Evans. How would you feel, Joe, about the Patriots picking up Jacoby Brissett? What like I'd, I'd be fuming if I'm totally honest, mate. But what is the point? What is the point? <laughs> no, I because w- he he knows the system, <laughs> and he's not gonna take a lot of money. And the Patriots usually try to be quite shrewd in their deals and don't like spending a lot of money. So you're bringing in a guy who already sort of knows the system. He's sort of spent a bit of time around it and understand how it works. He's not gonna cost a huge amount of money to bring in, which still leaves a lot of cap space for you. Um, and he just sort of does as a sort of stopgap for now, just to kind of plug in and keep you chugging along while you work on elsewhere. Essentially, then, the Patriots have shorted the, the stock of Kobe Brissett, haven't they? Because they sold him low, got, a decent, got, high, the got, a, decent, got a decent draft pick <laughs> for him, and then they're getting him back for even cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I think that's this, this... I was thinking about this today. 
And I think it's just, I don't know, it feels like a Patriots move to me. Uh, yeah, the thing is, I don't think I don't think a lot of fans would be happy personally. But if we were to also draft someone, yes, I'd be, you know I'd be more than okay with that. There's no problem. Like, there's a clear plan there. But if we bring Brissett on in, in like a say a three year contract or something, and you're thinking, oh, is this going to be it for the next three years? It's just a bit of a I don't know. Like, I've got belief in the coaching staff, but I don't know. It just wouldn't be exciting, and I think we just want to be excited. I don't see it being a big long deal, like maybe one or two years, just to kind of plug in and fill in for now while you just build the rest of the team and focus on other areas. But I that guess. was like Cam's potential job, and it, and that didn't work out. That that's for me. I you know when you have a plug in, and I com I completely get like yeah, it's a it's a good idea on paper, but Cam was so bad that I'm worried that Brissette is yeah better, but still I don't know, I don't know. I've got a question for you because it's not rare the opportunity you get to ha- see a sad Patriots fan in the past few years. But now you've had to go through a season of shit like we all have all had to do. What is the one either controversial or bold move that you would do if you were Jeffrey Lurie to the Patriots? <laughs> not Jeffrey Lurie, Robert Kraft. I was actually like, if uh, <laughs> one bold move. Um... <sighs> I would just, I'd go all out, all out for a top, top wide receiver. For me, I don't. What about quarterback? Sign someone like Tom Brady. Someone like Tom Brady, could you imagine? Yeah, sorry, Tom, come back. No, no. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, yes, okay, I do get the good quarterback, but I just don't think whoever joins us, I just don't think they're gonna. The the look at the weapons that we've got, we haven't really got a tight end. Like Izzo was meh. Like we got Asasi and he played like two games. These are these are players that you know tight end position for the Pats has been such a strength for the last 10, 15 years. And now there's nothing there. Wide receivers, you've got Edelman, he's fifty year old man now. He just you know, he keeps picking up injuries. We've got no one of any sort of capital like Julio Jones, if he's sitting there, go out and get him. Someone like that. I'm talking as big as that. And I interest you in a 31-year-old Zach Ertz, who has recently said he's not returning to the Philadelphia Eagles. Depending on the money, I'd take him. I'd take a pun on him, absolutely. I think he'd really work with the Mm. Patriots and I'm worried he goes over there because he's not a yak guy, but God damn, has he got good hands. And if you can get a reliable quarterback thrown to him in a Patriots system, I'd be scared. To inappropriately quote Sean Connery, uh, you put one of these in the hospital. We no, or, uh, whatever. What about Chris Godwin from the? What about Chris? Can I do that again? <laughs> what about Chris Godwin from the Bucks? Yeah. So you, they took your quarterback. You take their wide receiver. I'd love because he's a free agent. Yeah, totally. Without a doubt, he's he's one of those. He's one of those players. You're talking. I'm talking a top, top sort of seven eight wide receiver. That's that's who we've got to go out and get and make that quarterback position for someone else to come in actually be I know working with Bill Belichick and working for the Patriots is already like a, a big pull for a quarterback but you need to know that you're going to be looked after and taken seriously with who you can throw the ball to I did see a stat any... though that Godwin had more drops in the playoffs than he did the entire regular season that's not he dropped the well, ball too much on mm-hmm. on Sunday if, would there be any because obviously there's 
quite a lot about Bill to be said about Bill Belichick's drafting capabilities. He's he's not hit for a, a while. Would you think there needs to be someone to come and step in as I I, I thought the head scout comes in because obviously Bill Belichick's and Robert Kraft's what they're the two they're they're the two big brains. No no one else seems to really have the, the voice in there. Do you think they need to be a bit more open to, and get someone who's a, a pro drafter in so they can start evaluating talent at a higher level. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as you say, it's quite obvious in the last, especially like the last five years or so, our drafting hasn't been uh, the best. In fact, it's probably been the worst in the NFL, if not one of the bottom two or three teams. Uh, any, any help I take, I mean, it, Belichick did have big say, like big say in drafting some of the best players that the NFL has ever had. So he has got that in the back. I mean, he will always bring that out and go, you know, I bought in Gronkowski, you know, I bought in Tom Brady. Like there's always that. He can always go back to that history, but I don't know. I wouldn't, he obviously he's not out of touch with the game. I'm not saying anything like that, but someone's coming with a bit of a fresh sort of mind. I know it feels like blasphemy to say it, but yeah, someone to come in with a bit of a fresh look and go, we should be looking at these players rather than these. And, please don't draft out the first sorry trade out the first round again and make me stay up for shit all you know just someone who will actually take the first round a lot more seriously okay um other quarterback news because there's so much going around at the moment matt stafford uh has request or basically saying he's not going back to the lions uh, and he wants to be traded again just like deshaun watson there's a lot of opportunities but it's a very different case in that Deshaun Watson's young, John on a big fresh contract. He's shown his ceilings so high. Matt Stafford, on the other hand, is gonna be expensive. He you know you're getting a very reliable clutch player. Who, but more importantly, he just wants to go somewhere, I think, to t- to get a ring now. He, he he needs that in him. So it cuts off the, the younger teams, like maybe the Jets or the, the Jags and the, the Dolphins, kind of. And it pits him more towards the teams that want a mercenary, like the Broncos, the Colts, the Patriots, stuff like that. Where do we think Matt Stafford is going to be playing next year? Colts. I think he goes yep. to Colts. Yeah. It makes the most sense, I think. They're all possibly the 49ers, but... I think Colts like they're not. They've got the they've got the the money to afford to take the hit for them, um, and they're one good quarterback away. I think from making a Super Bowl. Too short to go to the Broncos. I throw a curveball at you. What about Washington? Because if you think about it, they've got a one wide. They've got a great wide receiver. One with Scary Terry. Anthony McLaurin showed really good signs as a running back. They need to maybe help the offensive line, but it's still did good. I know they've got their all-pro guard on. Uh, they have to re-sign him, I think. Their defense, obviously, nothing needs to be said about that. If you put a winning quarterback in that, I think they could be really scary. Yeah, I think that could, it depends on what they can, you know, what they can give to the Lions. Yeah. I, know, I know they're they're very open to completely just re complete well redoing the whole team, redoing the whole franchise, effectively. But, you know, that's a good point, though. I think at Washington, that, that turns them from a team that, you know, w- wins the AFC, sorry, wins the NFC East with a losing record to a team that a lot of the NFC would actually be very terrified of. Yeah, and, you, I mean, you've got, obviously, a lot of the, the factor in who Matt Stafford goes to, as is being said, is who his offensive coordinator is going to be because he wants someone he's going to mesh with well, of course. And if you go to uh, Washington, you get is it Joe, Joe, no, Joe Brady's the Panthers, isn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, could be an interesting one. Bears don't have money though, do they? No, not really, I guess. But I think it would be an interesting one. Plus into interdivisional trade. Stafford's contract's actually quite cheap. It's only twenty million this year, twenty million the next season, twenty one million the year after. Relatively speaking, that's 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 affordable. Depending on your cap position, obviously. And the thing is as well with these teams with how much money they got, it's obviously all dependent on whether that twenty million or whatever it was gets taken away from them because of the mm-hmm. pandemic and everything. So also with players like that, I think a lot of teams are going to be sort of just stopping and sort of waiting to see what happens. It'll only be the teams that have got a lot of cap space. I think they'll be making the moves early on. The Colts have got the the Jags have got the most cap space. The Colts have got the second most cap space. The Jets third, Patriots fourth, and the Washington football team have got the fifth most cap space. So any of those, we mentioned two of those five teams there. I think, that you know that will be a shout. I think the Colts are going to go out and completely just take take if he's there for the taking, which he is. Give you know give the Lions a, what, a first and a third, first and a fourth, maybe like around that. Just go and get him and and get your season started. Makes sense as well with the Colts as well because my own Eagles have virtually gutted their coaching staff as have other teams, so they're going to be getting a new offensive coordinator in. So you don't really want to bringing maybe a new quarterback if you know the turnaround is going to be going. If, if you can get that one, two-year mercenary to try and win you a game with a, a coach and stuff that is flipping fast, I think, yeah, Colts is... Plus, you can see him in a Colts uniform. He played in blue before. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think I can just picture him as a Colt because it's the same, virtually the same colours. Should you think that's the price, Joe? Do you think it's like a first and a second or a first and a third? I, th- I think first and a third... I, th- I think that would be about about right. I think anything, maybe first and fourth. I think first and a second. Don't get me wrong; he's a great quarterback. He's a top ten. But I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough out here at the moment with the draft picks and everything. But for me, yeah, I'd say that's just about right. If you went for that, I wouldn't have any complaints. I think it's a completely different negotiating position from Deshaun Watson because both Stafford and the Lions have both said, "Yeah, we, we're going to move on." Yeah, so teams know they want want him out, so they're not going to. They can't say, "Right, well, you need three first round picks from you." But like, well, he doesn't want to be there. You don't want him there, so we'll give you a first and a third. A lot of teams want him though. He's in high demand, isn't he? So he could demand mm-hmm. a little bit more, I guess, because there's there's other there's other suitors for him, I guess. Um, yeah, it'd be an interesting one to see where he goes. I've always, I mean, like he, I guess from the Lions, it's fair play because he has sort of weathered the storm there for quite a long time now and done a lot for them. Um, without I mean, him, I think he would have really struggled. But he, um, you know, he's always fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see what he'd be like on a quote unquote good team. You know, no offense to Lions fans, but like a team that's sort of Super Bowl ready, I guess, rather than in rebuild mode. And something I, f- I forgot to mention, to if you compare this to the Deshaun Watson suitors, um, Matt Stafford's not got a no-trade clause. Deshaun Watson does. So Deshaun Watson decides where he goes, Matt Stafford. Whilst obviously he's going to have a say in it, the final word comes down to the, whoever he gets traded to. And I think the Lions will be nice about it as well. I think they will send him somewhere that he can go and win stuff, as long as it's not in the NFC North. You know, they've got a decent relationship. I don't think they'll be dicks about it. Um, other news, 
Uh, that's probably the big stuff. But Jason Witten retired, signed a one-day contract with obviously Dallas Cowboys. Um, so Monday Night Football, we get Jason Witten again. <laughs> I'm sure you're looking forward to that, Tim. Um, Chad Wheeler. So this is a bit of a serious topic. Um, Seattle Seahawks ex-lineman um, has obviously have been caught in a domestic abuse case and there's been quite an outpouring of uh well i don't know the word would be uh like i guess anger against him from current nfl players like des Bryant said some pretty threatening stuff so it's it's good to see that the the, the like obviously the nfl's acted swiftly on it and the players are so outspoken against it already it was. I was reading an article about it today to try and get a bit more information on what I've seen rather than just the sort of standard posts that have been going around to try and dig a little bit deeper. And there was one in the the Seattle paper. I can't remember what it's called, like the Seattle Herald or something along those lines. That did an article about it, and they were they talked about um, he's supposed to be on medication because he's bipolar and he's not been taking his medication or something along those lines. But then reading into his background, like apparently there's been he was. Um, it's on his record that while he was in college, he got into some fights with other teammates. He was punching walls. He was trying to fight police and took chase from police. Uh, he, he has a history of being violent and this sort of thing because of his condition. Um, so it surprises me that, I guess, to an extent, I mean, I suppose you can't force feed someone to take medication, but I, I would have thought that maybe the team, knowing his issues, might have maybe... Put, made a bit more of an effort to, to check in on him and make sure he's okay. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but I mean, at the same time, I guess um, they have reacted swiftly. It's been interesting to see how the league responds to it now because it's been very sort of varied in the past with other players that have had domestic incidents of this kind of nature, the kind of punishment that's put on them. The swiftness with which the, the Seahawks cut him, it could have been that they knew about it and were have given him help and we don't know what was going on in the background because they cut him straight away yeah and sometimes it takes a few days for them to look into things but it was so cut and dry they were like right that's it, yeah, it was a couple I think hours. maybe yeah not good um other seahawks news uh shane waldron is the new offensive coordinator for all you seahawks fans um Packers have parted ways with special teams coordinator Sean Menenga. Um, I, I think that's quite an obvious weakness when you watch the Packers play. Um, and talking about the Bucks, who they just played, Scotty Miller, bit of a fun story, reckons he's faster than Tyreek Hill. What do we think? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Scored a touchdown and suddenly he's the fastest player in the NFL. Okay, mate. <laughs> yeah, it was good, wasn't it? That was just the most... What? Yeah, like, that you can't let that happen. It was one of the just came out of nowhere plays. Yeah, for those who didn't watch the game, it, it, it was basically a hail mary. No one was really expecting, so they just didn't put a good defense towards it, and they just yeeted one out there and it went in. Um, let's move on to some questions we've got from the listeners. Uh, at Jamie Garwood, no, good friend. Uh, who was the unheralded player of the season? Tim, do you want to start us off? For me, I don't know if this is inherited or not, but I think it's Darren Waller. Because all season long, you've heard about Travis Kelsey being the greatest tight end ever. 
Uh, Kelsey only had 300 yards more and two touchdowns more than Darren Waller. And you look at the team that Waller had. Uh, granted, Kelsey played one game less than Waller, but even then, uh, I just think Waller's more known as the story behind it rather than the actual player that he's become. Yeah, it's an incredible story what he's come through to make it in the NFL, but he's one of the best tight ends. If I think now he's above George Kittle in my book as second best tight end in the league, and I don't think he gets enough credit for his actual play. You're putting Waller ahead of Kelsey. Like, I'm not a big no, fan no. of Travis Did I say Kelsey? I meant Kittle. Like, I'm so not I've, got, I've got Kelsey one and I've, yeah, I've got Waller two. That's fair. Uh, what about you, Joe? So Jamie put on a tweet, I forgot to put it in the notes. He said it, he believes it was the Pats, uh, punter, Dan Bailey. Um, I, I'm going along the same lines. Uh, the Colts punter, Sanchez, he was the one who had the tumour and got it removed. And I believe he came back and played like a couple of weeks later. So for me, I think that's, you know, that's that's completely life-changing sort of thing you get there and he's you know gone away got a tumor removed come back and played in the same season i think that's incredible so for me he's my unheralded player of the season Craig, um i i've not really had much time to think about this but off the top of my head one name that does come to mind would be antonio gibson for the red for the washington football team um i think he you know, when you think of that offense, considering that they've, they've had a lot of quarterback issues, I think a lot of the attention goes on McLaurin. Um, I think for him to sort of come in, he has had a decent season. He's effective for them in the run game and in the passing game. Um, he became a really big part of that offense and a big reason, I think, why that that team, especially on offense, had the success it did this season, even though it did struggle at times. So, um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd say he'd be one. I'm going to take a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to go with the, I don't know what position he's, I think he's the Chiefs right tackle, uh, but he opted out for the season. Laurent Duvernay Cardiff, I think he was called. Uh, he opted out to just be a, he's a qualified doctor, so he spent the entire season without pay to treat COVID patients. So that'll be my answer. A bit of a cheesy one. But... On to our next question. We've got this one off the NFL UK subreddit. Uh, we do post on that every week and we just post in there as well if you are looking to join the discussion. You uh, Yorkshire87 asks us, uh, do you think the coaches will ever adopt some more rugby-style techniques? I watch the Six Nations when it's on and going into tackle, you're normally trying a sneaky offload to a supporting player. We saw the hook and ladder play done by a few teams this season to great results which is effectively this. Do you see it being more of a staple technique for players to learn rather than just a trick play or not? Craig, do you want to start us off with this one? Because obviously you have the Hall of Fame safety, Eric Reed, who, Ed Reed, sorry, you used to like to f pass the ball off sometimes when he was returning. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that familiar with rugby, so I'm probably not, I can't really comment too much on that angle, but in terms of, using it in football yeah it is a good sick play i think what puts a lot of coaches off is it's 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 throwing the ball it's that lateral ball you're putting a lot of faith in your guy throwing the ball there's you know every time that ball exchanges hands there's a chance of a fumble there's a chance of a pick um 
it just just it adds a bit more element of risk um, in terms of turning the ball over, which I think a lot of NFL coaches don't like. They like to try and minimise. Um, so, yeah, I guess that would that would be my answer. Yeah, I think with a big thing as well is I, I've I always thought this <clears throat> when I first started watching the game. I, when I realised you could do the lateral pass, watching it in early days, I was shocked to not understand why players don't do it more. But I think, yeah, I would like to see it. But with rugby, rugby is such more of a, a sort of a territory game, whereas American football is much more of a possession game. Possession means more than territory, I would say, in the NFL, whereas territory in rugby is a lot more effective. You know, there's a, there's for me, there's a lot more ways to try win the ball and rucks and that. So the ball is just a lot. Having a ball is just worth so much more in American football which is why I think there's such a less amount of times, as you say, Craig, it's just sort of trying to minimise turning the ball over. And, you know, you'd rather go down holding the ball, put your knee or your elbow down rather than launching it up in the air, hoping that your mate's going to catch it. It's for me, I think that that's the slight difference. But, you know, if there's, they find, if they train well at it and they, they become safer with their hands, I'd love to see more of it. I think generally it's a more conservative sport American football because if you think about it if someone fumbles the ball balls on the ground and the other team get it that's a huge deal a big turnover in rugby you can still get the ball back it's not as major a deal when someone's running if there's two players running one of them could actually kick it forward in rugby where you know in American football that's not going to happen there's only one th- two things are going to happen you're going to tackle the guy or he's going to pass it and also a rugby field's a lot wider so players can spread out more for lateral passes. Rugby fields is, I think, 70 metres wide. And then an American football field is 48 metres wide, I believe. Just some quick Google in there. So one thing that American football can learn from rugby, and I know uh, the Seahawks try to do this, is tackling techniques. Yeah. Because I don't know, the, the quality of tackling in the NFL is just dreadful. Because you see, I'm not going to mention his name, one of my Raiders is a dreadful tackler and he's more into the big hits. That works in college when you run into people, not people over, but you watch rugby, it's actually illegal to run into someone and not wrap your arms around to try and tackle. Uh, and the amount of missed tackles you see in the NFL is atrocious. And some of the tackling techniques can take a lot from rugby. I'm livid you stole my point. I was about to come in and be like, I agree with you all, but nah, but yeah, it's exactly that. The best tacklers, you look at the, all the ones throughout history, they wrap up yeah. in rugby. How are you taught to tackle cheek to cheek, wrap your arms? Yeah. And like, especially with how the NFL's leaning now, where they are trying to get away from big hits and head to head contact, you don't want to have those plays where your shoulder hits, but the foul's called. Why not just do a nice, solid tackle? Obviously, it's, it is different because when you're wearing pads, you do feel a little bit more indestructible and you run super hard. So, obviously, Kaysen being Jordan Whitehead did a lot of good shoulder tackles in the championships and they went out with a shoulder injury because you just take more of a beating in America football, in my opinion, um, having played both. But yeah, um, offensively, I want to see more kind of stuff like that. I know this is specifically because we've got Jordan Maialata on our team, who's obviously an ex-rugby player from ours who has only played football for two years. And nearly, I think every Eagles fan wants him to be just play a running back position where we've seen him handle the ball in his rugby highlights, just let him do some rugby running. Um, but yeah, it's it all goes back to you don't want to lose possession in the end of the day. Yeah, as a defensive coach, it's pretty 
there's not more frustrating than watching guys not wrap up when they tackle. Um, I think a lot of a lot of NFL players want that highlight reel hit, which is what they tend to go for. Um, but like you were saying, Adam, it's a different, it's a whole different level of contact. You know, we have a lot of people who come up to the taster sessions with with Fiori who have got a rugby background and they don't like it because it's a it's a it's a different level, different type of contact than than rugby. Um, yeah, you've got the pads and stuff on, but you, you the way you hit's different, the way you tackle's different, the way you come at guys is different. Um, it's I don't know. It's it, there's some similarities between the two. Like you said, I think it's just guys just need to wrap up more. You don't see it enough, I think, and that's what lets a lot of a lot of defenses down. I think this is going off a, just a tiny tangent, but when it comes to rules, do you think there were ever the amount of concussions that you get in the NFL? It's, in the last ten years, it's been brought up massively, and it's an issue. The rule in rugby where your first point of contact cannot be on the opposition's head. Is, do you reckon that's, that could be something that could be brought into the NFL more or is it just because the NFL is such a high-tempo, big-hitting sport at core, they wouldn't change the rules like that for safety? They need to be more consistent with the rules, like the, was it the championship game, the Browns-Chiefs uh, yeah. Browns game, where the guy clearly hit him in the head and the refs didn't call it. It's like... Either it's illegal, it's legal or it's illegal. And the, is the quarterback a runner? Is he uh, a defenseless receiver rules? It should just be a blanket. If you hit someone in the head, it's a penalty. Yeah, I guess there's two factors you've got to consider. I guess it, it cloudies the water a bit with the difference between someone catching the ball and whether he's running the ball. I guess if someone's running the ball, it's a lot. it becomes a lot more difficult to remove the head. I think from the tackle, um, there's going to be some level of contact there. Um, I think the other issue is intent. Sometimes it just happens. You you can be. I think you, quite a few times this season, I've seen guys have been penalised for hitting with the head, but you can see quite clearly that when they go in for the tackle, there's no intent to hit the head. But they also can't anticipate what the guy who they're tackling is going to do. So if the guy who you're going to tackle turns his body slightly or dips his head, then there's only so much you can do to react to that. It's the same with the sack issue, like with the late hits and stuff. Like for me, anything within one step is fair because anything after that, you've got the time to adjust at least a little bit. You know what I mean? It gets to a point where it's there's not a lot you can do. You're too quick, you're too close and you don't have time to react or alter what you're doing. Um, I guess as you tackle... Full, at full speed, year. it's always said, full speed, some of those hits all look really bad, but if you're going full speed in for a tackle, in the last second, the guy you're trying to hit moves, and then you hit his head, you weren't going for the head, you were going for the body, and he moved his head. So exactly. it's, that's an accidental contact rather than deliberate. I mean, to be fair... They do have offensive head-to-head contact as well, but yeah, you're right. I think the, the stupidest thing is just make it reviewable. If there's a, something that happens and you go, "Oh, he hit him in the head," that's a that's a flag, no matter what. It just makes it so much more reliable. And then if you do call and it doesn't happen, you can go, "Oh, he, he didn't hit him in the head. That's fine." It's, it, I guess, I it, think, 
Go on, Tim. I think it's a Dave Damashek thing that I've heard is they should have people up in the stands or up in the booth whose job it is to look for those sort of hits. Rather than having to review it, stop the game for five minutes, someone should be watching it in New York, in the stadium, wherever, and just have a, a year piece with the ref and go, oh, by the way, that was a head-to-head hit on number 21, or no, it wasn't head-to-head, it moved, it was accidental contact. Do it that way, much quicker. I guess one, one thing you see from a lot of offensive players is that when, when they anticipate contact, as they'll dip the shoulder and dip the head. Um, so I guess if you're coming in for a tackle and you're aiming for the chest, and this guy dips his shoulder and dips his head, then depending on how late he does it, you can't really... Sometimes it is the offensive player's fault. They brace and dip their shoulder and dip their head, and it's too late for the defender to alter their trajectory, their path from which, mm-hmm. from which they're coming. Like I said, it's it's one of them. It's Especially in a run game, you can't really just remove it. It's always going to be there, I guess. It's just trying to keep it as sensible as possible, And I guess. Okay, uh, we've got two more questions. Where did these ones come from? They are from Simon on Twitter. Okay, so Simon, obviously a good friend of the show. Uh, Any crazy trades you think might happen in the off-season, like Rodgers to the Raiders? Tim, do you want Aaron Rodgers? (laughs) I'll take Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think he was thinking about that one uh, in the aftermath of the game on Sunday where Aaron Rodgers wasn't very happy and said he didn't know what was going to happen next season. But I think since then, cooler heads have prevailed, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. But I would take Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. I can't see it happening myself. I could see Derek Carr getting traded, if you talk about crazy trades. Um, You know, there was a lot of rumours last season that they were very happy with Mariota. And as I say, this is just a crazy trade. Not that I want to see, but... It wouldn't be out of the blue if we traded him for a decent package and then started Mariota. I don't think that's the answer I texted him earlier when he asked me. What about what about Jameis Winston to the Panthers? Oh, that would be nice. I'd like that. Well, that would be good. Who, who, who are the, have the Saints just said they've started anyone? Because obviously they've got um, Taysom Hill and Jimmy Eason. Jimmy's through that very lovely little uh, deep field pass in the, the divisional round, I think it was. Winston's a free agent, though. Ah. Ooh, I want to see him play again, mate. Desperately. Yeah. I want Jimmy's back. I think the Saints would like to resign him. I just don't know if they can because they've got such a, a, a problem, I think, at the minute. Where was it? I think I've got it written down somewhere. He's, the Saints are projected to be, at the moment, £112 million over the salary cap. So they are in big, big trouble when it comes to to, um, to the cap. It's likely maybe you could go somewhere else. I think Panthers could be a, an you know an interesting landing spot for them. Yeah, I've got the figures here, Craig. I didn't realise that they were that much in in uh, cap trouble. 112 million. The next worst is the Eagles with fifty three million. Yeah, so it's a huge difference. Yeah. Saints are done. I think like they went all out for Breeze's last few seasons and yeah. they didn't get anything from it. And now they're going to have to really suffer for the foreseeable future. Yeah, at least we got a ring. That's true. <laughs> it's all worth it. My crazy trade, I don't think it's too crazy, but I can see Julio Jones leaving the Falcons. And I could see a, a, a team very needy, such as the Patriots. Um Ravens. Yeah, 
Ravens. If you put Julio Jones and the Ravens, I will cry. Um, but yeah, I can see him because the, the Falcons have they've got Calvin Ridley, who's if he can step up and fill Julio's role pretty pretty well now. I think they, they could afford to spend elsewhere. Carson Wentz for the Colts. Do it. <laughs> they got half the coaching. Uh, wait, because I've actually got some fun news about Jalen Hurts. Our um, new quarterback coach, who was previously the offensive coordinator for the University of Florida, he was also Dak Prescott's quarterback coach through college and has known Jalen Hurts since he was four. So there is a very strong connection between them. And whilst I love Carson Wentz and I do want him to succeed, and the media is blowing everything out of proportion because they're saying like, oh, he's he's not said anything yet. Maybe he wants to trade us. Like, yeah, he's literally said nothing yet. So they're all creating hypocrisy. Um, but yeah, if he actually gets traded and we end up with Jalen Hurts starting, I wouldn't be upset. Joe, does Tom Brady retire if Tampa wins? What else is left for him to achieve? Second question by Simon. So no, he won't retire. No chance. This man is just hungry. He, he will keep going. He said he wants to go to 45 and he says it. So it's going to, it's going to probably happen. He's going to keep going. He's going to create his effective fourth hall of fame career that he's had in one career. And he's just going to keep going. I just think that Gronk's on for another year. So Brady's going to be there for another year at least. Yeah. I just, I just can't see it happening. The man, the man doesn't know how to go out on a high effectively. He had the chance to, and he said no, and he's gone on to another Super Bowl. I think I think this man believes in himself far too much to retire after winning number seven. I don't even think it's going out ahead. I think he he's just he can, and it's so annoying that he's proven that he can. He's literally everyone was like, can't do it. Even with this team, he can't, and he's just gone straight to a Super Bowl. And literally everyone's like, we should have seen it coming, and. Like I believe he'll play to forty-five, and I, I honestly think if he's healthy, he will push to he will try and push to fifty. Whether if the minute he's not starting, though, I don't see him continuing. Yeah. Um, he's gonna so he'll move to another team that'll carry him instead. <laughs> don't get me wrong; the books are one hundred percent carrying him, but the books wouldn't be the books yeah. right now without Tom Brady. The, the books would be nowhere near the books. They get Ronald Jones, they get Leonard Fournette, they get yeah. Antonio Brown, they get Rob Gronkowski, they get all these crazy names coming in, just be- yeah. almost because they're like, "Oh, we'll, we'll get on the bandwagon." Yeah, and it's it's not Tom Brady the quarterback you're getting; it's Tom Brady. The, the mentality is Tom Brady, the brand it's Tom Brady, just the, the indirect, the indirect influence that Tom Brady had on this team making the Super Bowl is just in- and Bruce Arians even said that he doesn't even really need to coach Brady and Brady does a lot of coaching as be, just by being obviously this, he's a great leader. We can't say he's not he's, having him on your team would just be like getting one of the, the best at, like athletic leaders of all time on your team temporarily. The oldest player to play in the NFL was George Blander, who was playing when he was 46 or 47. I'm not really sure what how age he was. Uh, but Blander was a quarterback for the Raiders, but I think towards the end of his career, he was a kicker as well. So I think that stretched his career out a little bit. But he was old. And he looked it. He looks like a granddad out there. Yeah, that's what's annoying, because Brady looks about 35. Totally avocado toast is why he's got to eat him. 
<laughs> Not avocado toast. You've become quite a Brady supporter of recent weeks, Adam. I've yeah, not I told you I hate him. I like the Bucks. I just acknowledge the fact he's managed to go to another Super Bowl. He's now like, I'm officially like, yeah, he's he's the goat. No, I disagree. my hatred, my okay. hatred for Brady stretched so far that the other week I was watching the because it was the 19th anniversary of the Tuck Rule game. I watched the whole game over again. God, Raiders fans are just saying. Still it. finished the same. Don't know how that happened. <laughs> Even after all the wine. <laughs> okay. That was all the proposed things we had to talk about. I think I don't want to go on a rant, but this Tampa team, like I said, I mean, I just want to make a point. Jameis Winston <laughs> played for this team. He went 30 for 30, and he still did reasonably well. Now, you're talking about a quarterback whose eyesight was a bit knackered. You know what I mean? You're throwing to receivers that are, you know, it's one of the best receiving calls in the, in the NFL. Big-bodied guys, guys who are dead tall, easy to throw to. You've got a defence that's one of the best in the NFL, intimidating defence. You've got a good coaching staff. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like all of the, I don't know, all of the, I just don't see what Brady could do wrong, and yet people will still just cry and scream that he's the GOAT. You know what I mean? The guy, any other QB in the league throws free picks in a championship game, and they get dragged through the mud, and they will get destroyed in the media. And Tom Brady comes out of that game, and everyone is singing his praises, and he's the best of all time. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, it's, it makes me not want to watch football. That's how bad it is. Like, how- I think it's though, because yeah, he comes out of the game and admittedly bad, bad game by him. But you say, oh, now everyone's calling him the goat. It's like, yeah, he's the goat because he's going to his tenth Super Bowl now. Yeah, but yeah, how I much? Of that, how much of that this year for that Tampa team is because of Brady? Because I, I don't know. I'd say looking back on this season, arguably a lot of it is not because of Brady. A lot of it is because they've got one of the best defenses in the NFL, and he's got a surrounding cast that is like was a Super Bowl contender anyway. I hear what you're saying, Craig. I hate him as much as you do, but that team, same team, virtually, last year went seven and nine, and now they're in the Super Bowl. It's virtually the same team. And, you know, Mike Evans, Godwin, same team. Yeah. So... it was also as well, like Brady, admittedly last year, the championship game had a shocker, but statistically, he was the most informed quarterback in the league for the last five games before that game. So he he became the best version of himself at the right time again. And I think that's what a lot of it is for, is he turns up, admittedly, he didn't turn up in the championship game, but he didn't need to. And I think, I think that's where the, your frustration comes from. I completely get that. He didn't turn up, but he's getting praised. But I think when you look at the facts, it's, you know, he's played 21 seasons and got 10 Super Bowls. Like, Can and, someone mute me if I ever defend Tom Brady again, please? <laughs> and I think I think that's what it is. I th- yeah, you look at the small picture, didn't have a good game, but nor did Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's what masked it quite well. You know what's crazy? Tom Brady's percentage of going to the Super Bowl in his career is higher than Steph Curry's three-point percentage. Yeah, I just that's disgusting. And if twelve percent like of all Super Bowls have had Tom Brady in it, and if the man wins with the Bucks, he's won more Super Bowls than any team, and in any <laughs> NFL team. Oh, go on, I'll do it as well. Then, did you know he's got twice as many playoff wins than the next quarterback? And true. also, 
no, I think it's like Terry Bradshaw or someone. And also, that doesn't include all the first round buys. Because all the time he's in the Patriots, he always had a first round buy. So if oh he had God. played in those first round games, he would have had a lot more playoff wins. Oh, I'm going to leave it there and stop playing. <laughs> all other, did you know? I'm going to finish off with it. Did you know that this is this guy who everyone's singing the praises of and all the rest of it and thinks he's the king on God's green air walked around in male ugg boots? I'm just going to put that out there. This guy walked around in male ugg boots. So say that our housemate did that, Andy Clark. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, mate. Yeah. And did you know he was also stupid enough to dump the girl from Coyote Ugly? It's a 90s film for you. Check it out. <laughs> of a Swedish supermodel, though. Oh, check out Coyote Ugly and look at his ex. <laughs> thing. I hope my um, wife's not listening. <laughs> we can go over our, predict oh, our scoreboard from last week. I think it's safe to say that me and Craig have been ruled out of the running. Oh, can I catch up now? I don't even know what the scores are. It's impossible. I'll, I'll give you the scores. It's near impossible. So it was a pretty disastrous week last week for me and Adam. We got no points whatsoever. Uh, Craig got the Chiefs right, so he got one point. Joe predicted two games properly. He got the Chiefs and the Bucks, so he got two points there. Uh, no one got the scores right. No one got the ball predictions right. Um, so Joe now has gone into a pretty... It's near impossible to beat him, to be honest. So, scores now. Craig's last, 213. Adam, 214. Uh, I am on 223. And Joe is on 226. Mathematically, it is possible for me to beat Joe. Uh, but unlikely, um, I've got to pick a different team to, him to win the Super Bowl, basically. To yeah. have any chance of winning. We still have bowl predictions for Super Bowl week, don't we? Yeah. And then you also so have do... extra points for MVP. Yep. And over-under are we going to do? I think we'll do over-under as well. And we're playing the toilet bowl, Craig, one point away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you want to do some kind of toilet bowl, Adam, like, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Oh, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a whole season's worth of effort for nothing. <laughs> it would have been uh, it would have been yeah. nice to have a Gardner Minshew jersey, but fair right, play. Congratulations to you two heading into Super Bowl, I guess. Uh, before we start to wrap things up, guys, is there anything else you want to bring up? I don't know. It was good, good hour or so of chat then. Uh, we're going to... Why don't we talk a little bit about plans we've got for the off-season? Um, obviously get some draft coverage sorted out. Um, if you haven't been doing so, I'd recommend checking out some of the mock drafts. You can find them pretty much anywhere on media um, or top 100s or top 150s if you're looking to get clued up. Uh, we're going to try and squeeze in some more, in or squeeze in, we're going to do some more interviews with people around the American football network in the US or the UK or the EU. Um, and of course, do a lot more just discussion content over news. Uh, anything else we got planned that you remember, guys? Next year, the plan is to be a little more active on the website because we're not really using the website. So uh, we are going to be looking to do a lot more things on the website next year. My plan is to have more fun. <laughs> That's what we're here for at the end of the day. It's all about having fun. Um, yeah. 
I plan on having so making us all have a lot more fun. I'll see what more crazy ideas I can come up with. Thank you, Papa Craig. <laughs> um, you can catch up with all of what we are doing on our social medias, uh, what we're doing throughout the off season. Um, we are also going to be having a giveaway coming up soon. So do keep an eye on our Twitter and our other social medias, which are Joe. Yeah, our Twitter and Instagram is at TAFS underscore UK. And our Facebook is just that American Football Show. Also check out our Facebook group, NFL Fans. Love a giveaway. It's always exciting. Uh, you can also see all this on said website, which is Tim. NatAmericanFootballShow.com uh, Lockdown Lids have got some new stuff up. We've just been checking them out. Uh, what was on there, Craig? Yeah, so the Taft pick this week is the NFC Championship theme week. Um, they have a Jordy Nelson authentic short F7 hydro-dipped um, Packers signed helmet. And then they also have a Shaq Barrett F7 hydro dip one, um, authentic one. Um, they are pretty nice helmets. I do like the hydro dip. It's a unusual pattern, but it's nice. Um, pretty sweet, nice colours. Um, like I said, full size authentic. And then they do have a few other things up there, like at the moment with the Pro Bowl coming up. There's a couple of. I think there's a Vic and a D'Angelo Hall was it Pro Bowl jersey, and then a couple of couple of Jag stuff up there as well. So yeah, go and have a look. Some good stuff there. Uh, of course, you can also find uh, Taft's merch our EP Sports, you can get the link for our website as well. Um, shout outs to everyone who sent in questions. We do really appreciate them. Uh, please do send in if you've got anything. It doesn't have to be about the NFL. Happy to just talk about football or Baffer or whatever it is, as long as it's to, got a football involved. Uh, anyone else you want to shout out, guys? Thanks for the questions again, Simon. Thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for listening. Make sure you head over and check out our friends at EP Sports for all your NFL and equipment needs. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week for the Super Bowl episode. Woo! Sprinkles! the new one that i seen the cookie monster one did you see the oh, cookie we've seen that one yeah no. oh the cookie monster one's boss you know I, I i was trying to find the link for it after it came on to send you it but it must have been the first time it aired i'll have to have a look and see if i can find the link and send you it like it was pretty yeah i was laughing my head off <laughs>